Hi, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast. My name is Tracy Ann, and I am originally from Jamaica, Mandeville, if you want to really know where I'm from. And I actually was or or went to high school and junior high school in the Bronx, Bronx Boogie Down Bronx, Bronx Production. Yes, the Bronx. Um, I didn't do a little introduction about who I am, what I'm about, what this podcast is about. So I'm not going to go into that. But what I really want to talk about today is growing up in the Bronx as an immigrant. Not only as an immigrant, but also as an illegal immigrant. So before you even come for me, let me be clear. Let me be clear. Let me put this on the books. Okay. I have been in the United States for many years, over 15, 20 years right now. And I am a legal citizen of the United States of America. I do have a passport. I do not have a green card. I do have my citizenship and all that. But immigration is one of those things that we talk about here in the U.S. from the perspective of what you believe it to be and not from the standpoint of what it really is. And so it's something that I see literally and it hurts my heart in so many ways that I decided that I wanted to really talk about it and, and, and let, and also not to debunk some things, but, but just to have you understand from the illegal immigrants perspective, what is involved and now also keep in mind This is happening back in the 90s and the immigration laws and how things move are, you know, that's changed tremendously. Not all of it for the better. I need to be absolutely and completely clear that it's not all for the better. It's kind of like when people make decisions in management, but they've never done the job before. That's how I feel sometimes about a lot of things that happen in the United States. But we will talk about that at another time. For now, in this moment, however, I want to talk about me coming to the United States. Um, I came here with my mom. Uh, they, I have two elder brothers, but at the time, my mother felt like America was going to be a safe space for us because Jamaica at the time had aligned with Cuba and the possibility of uh, going to war looked really real at the time. So there are a bunch of us that migrated to the United States during those times, like the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And we came here with the idea that just in case something popped off, uh, we would be safe, especially the girls. So, all right, we come to the United States um, and we're left here. We're we're left here um, because our parents leave us with someone and it's usually it's a family member and they return home because what you what a lot of people don't know is when you when you allowed to come into the country, especially from Jamaica, and I'm only going to talk about it from the standpoint of the country that I'm aligned with. When you come here to from United from Jamaica, you're only given like a period of time that you can be here. And that is a visa. So the visa gives you an, and allows you an allotted time that you can come to visit the United States and then you return home. If you do not return home 
then you have lost privileges. It means that you're literally illegally in the United States of America. You're supposed to be back in the country and you decided not to. So my parents, um, she, she decided to do that. She made that choice. And I was left here with my uncle and aunt. And at the first, my first piece, I, I actually lived in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I can't say the entire thing was a bad experience. It wasn't a bad experience. It was more so just I, for my first time, um, had to do laundry by myself. I had to take the bus by myself. I came home and there was nobody at home but me. Um, I had to try to figure out how to cook. It, it was just a lot of learning at that, that stage of my life. And I just honestly wasn't prepared. And then moving from there, I moved to New York and I stayed with another uncle and aunt, my mom still being in Jamaica and me trying to maneuver New York city, me trying to maneuver the Bronx, but talk about, <laughs> talk about a learning experience. You know, um, you're from the Caribbean. You're trying so hard to not make everybody fully aware that you are from the Caribbean because at that time we were really, you know, looked down on. Um, you're trying to get an education because you know that education is your way out. It's very much something that has been instilled in you as a Caribbean female. You don't get pregnant. You're not supposed to have sex. You're not supposed to have no boyfriend. No man no give nothing for free. Um, let's see. You're supposed to finish high school. But they tell you already don't have no picnic and you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to go to college, do all these things and be this great, amazing human being. That is your job. We are all making sacrifices for you to not have children, finish high school without children, go to college, don't have no kids, get out, get a good job, find a man, get married. That is your goal. That is it. Period. Point blank. No, don't worry about no happiness or nothing like that. We'll talk about that later. But for right now, these are your goals. And so, you know, I literally, um, I wanted to, I wanted to have the, the experience. I wanted to have the New York experience. I wanted to wear Reeboks. I wanted to wear the salt and pepper haircut. I wanted to wear biker shorts and do the butt. I wanted to do all of it. I mean, it was happening around me and I, I wanted that experience. And so it, it was, it was a happy, it was a happy, but confusing at the same time balancing act that I literally tried to maneuver every single day. And I did that because in my household around my family, I, had to maintain my Jamaican culture. But outside of the home, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to, I wanted to fit in. I literally, I wanted to fit in. And um, probably made some mistakes that I pray to God, my mama never hears this podcast and all the things that I did and wasn't supposed to do, but I did anyway. Um, but it also taught me to be who I am right now. And even in those mistakes, or I wouldn't even say the mistakes anymore. I would say in those lessons, 
it allowed me to one, be a better mother, a better friend, a better cousin, a better human being. Because when you're an immigrant, that's illegal. Here in the United States, you move differently. You have to. You move differently because you don't want to be sent home. So you operate in a different world. Things that everybody else would normally celebrate and have fun with. You're worried, you know, is the, are you going to get picked up? Like I didn't, I learned how to drive, but I learned how to drive on a sly. <laughs> I learned to drive on a sly because I would be riding dirty. If, and if, if you don't understand, basically, I, I'm not here legally. I'm not supposed to have a driver's license. So there were a lot of things that maybe in the 90s we could get away with, and but we can't right now. Like, you know, I went to school. Um, everybody kind of knew. A, a lot of the schools at the time knew that some of the children that were attending the, the school were not legal because the community dictated that. But at the same time, education was important. And they knew that we were going to come to school and we were going to do our absolute best because our families depended on that. The success of our families depended on us being the absolute best that we could be. I remember and shout out to my coach at the time. um, There was a police officer, Mr. Scott. And Mr. Scott was the coach of the girls' remets team for the school that I went to. And he taught me how to play basketball. And I remember, like, wanting to be really good at it because I enjoyed it. But then I worried about, like, what would my future be because... I was illegal, so it wasn't like I was going to play ball for our university unless the university was going to sponsor me. And what was the possibility of that if I wasn't good? So I had to be super good because if that was a way that I could stay in the country, then I needed to make sure that I was going to show up and show out. All right. But my mom is like, we're not about that basketball thing. I want you to get an education. So... The education piece ties in, but I'm still like, why I got to do all this if the possibility of me returning home is real? You know, I, I can't I can't move like everybody else. I can't apply for scholarships like everybody else because I'm illegal. You know, so how does that work? And having to process that as a 13, 14 year old is something that. That's just what you do. That's just how you move. When my friends were trying to get jobs, no, I wasn't trying to get a job at the local Kroger or anything. Not Kroger. At the time, it was Stop and Shop. Um, I I, I couldn't do that. I I didn't have the paperwork necessary to do all of that. So you move different. You're seen but not seen. You know, it's really weird how you get to be this person that you're, 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 you're visible, but you're invisible at the same time. 
And as the years go on, you know, you play, you play your role different. You play your role different because you understand that if you are too visible, the possibility of you not having the opportunity to make your family successful is in jeopardy. So it literally took about six, six, seven years for me to be, go from an illegal status to a, a legal status in the United States. And, and to be honest, guys, it wasn't because we weren't trying, but the backlog uh, for us to get the process up and running for us to get what we needed was that long. The United States took that long in order to process everything for me to become legal. In the meantime, and the between time, I literally, I never, I never saw a lot of, I wasn't available. I wasn't in a part of a lot of my family because when things were happening, if I went home to Jamaica, I would not be able to return to the United States. So, you know, yeah, we have FaceTime and we have Zoom and all that other kind of stuff now. Back then, none of those were, you know, abilities. We, I could get a Polaroid, but it would have to, you know, wait till it got through the mail. Not FedEx, not UPS, but the mail. For me to be able to get, you know, or see uh, my brother get married. My, um, my cousin have children. Like, I, I just wasn't a part of any of that because I was illegal and I couldn't go home. So look, I'm not trying to get sympathy. It is what it is because the sacrifices that I made or my family made back then, I was determined in every single way to be successful, which is exactly what I did. So becoming legal, I was able to uh, do, do so much. And we'll talk about that as you know, you get to know me and I get to know you. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to say that in the space of being visible but invisible, people make sacrifices. It is not easy to even complete the application to become a legal citizen of the United States. Most Americans don't want to fill out the 40-page document front and back. You're, you don't have any idea about how much money it costs to get a, a, a passport from the country that you're coming from to come to the United States. The fact that you have to stand in lines, long lines, asking the United States in that country to give you permission to actually come here. The passport pitches, the passport itself, the money that's involved, how much money you have to have in the bank for you to even come to buy the plane ticket. Let's let's go back. How about how much it costs to go from whichever little town you belong to to get to the appointment so that you can stand in the line so you can get in to be interviewed for probably 10, 15 minutes for somebody to look at you and decide then and there whether or not all that you have done in the past is even valid enough for you to get that yes. All you're looking for is that yes, that opportunity to come here and make life better for your family. It's amazing to me how people sometimes look down on immigrants because you don't understand what is involved. 
You have no idea what is involved in even getting on the plane. Some of those people have never flown before. They've never left their countries before. Not seen snow, not seen a skyscraper, not seen a train. And they come here to make life better for the family members that they have left behind. And in some instances, they come here looking for a better life because the life that they're leading is nothing. There is nothing there. Some people come here, they don't speak the language. Some people come here, they can't read. But the determination to make it is so much greater. They'll sleep five in a room. They'll pay their part of the rent. They'll cook when they have to cook. They'll work 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, whatever it takes. Because failure is not an option. So yeah, it does kind of rub me the wrong way when people talk about immigrants like they're taking something, taking something that they haven't fought for. And I cannot tell you, and I definitely will discuss this, but I can't tell you right now because it's probably going to piss me off. But when I saw children being separated from their parents coming to the United States and people saying, well, if they didn't come to the United States, then they wouldn't have had their children taken away from them. And man, that is so loaded that I got to I gotta do that on a whole separate thing. But we're going to talk about that one right there. But for right now in the moment, I want you to understand that when you visit countries, when you visit other places, you go with the understanding that you speak the language that everybody else is supposed to speak. But when people come to the United States, they, they don't get the same, the, the same kind of leniency. I've never spoken English before. I'm coming from Israel. Never spoken English before. I'm coming from Germany. Never spoke English before. I'm coming from Jamaica. And I'm coming into a place where I don't know your streets. I don't know how you number them. I don't know how you word them. But I still have to move. I still have to eat. I still have to somehow make it here. Because my family completely depends on my success here. So I'm not asking you somehow to understand completely but I am asking you, give some respect. Give some grace. People come here to make a better life. The struggle is real for some people, but death is worse. And that is what I want you to know about people that come here and they work hard and they live in conditions that they have to live in because they have a family too. They want to be successful. They want to work hard. They want to prove that they deserve to be here. And they want to go through the system just like they're supposed to. But if your system is broken to allow them to be here, the alternative is not hunger. They don't want to be hungry. They don't want to die. And so those sacrifices are made. I hope this gives you some help to kind of process that part. And we could talk about it again. In the meantime, have a great day.